Welcome to the ABA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future. Hi, I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, a senior writer with the ABA Journal. Today I'm speaking with Randy Mays, who's sometimes referred to as a mother of the International Legal Technology Association. She founded the group with other law firm employees in 1980, and it was first known as the PSS Users Group. Now the executive director of the 20,000-member group, Mays recently announced that she'll be retiring in 2017. Welcome to the show, Randy. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm happy to be here. Great. Can you tell us, with everything you've seen over the years, what are some big changes you've seen in technology and running a law office since your group was founded? Well, I, I appreciate the question. Uh, you're, you're right. I do have the nickname of being the mother of ILTA. And of course, I gave birth to the organization almost 40 years ago. So with that very long lens on this topic, you know, I have seen uh, extraordinary changes in technology. In fact, you know, I was hired at the law firms in which I worked to manage their technology. And certainly back in the early days, and I'm, I'm not going to dwell there very long, but the introduction of word processing and, frankly, the computerization of time entry, those were absolute game changers for the legal profession. But I want to really fast track us to modern times now. And I think that technology has affected both the business side of the house as well as the practice of law in so many ways. And frankly, it is so embedded in everything we do, it's hard to call it technology anymore. It is absolutely essential to the efficient management of a law firm and also on the practice side to delivering value-based services to clients. Now, I want to just call out a couple of areas. So this will be the, the lengthiest response that I give to any question, but uh, technology is everywhere. It touches every corner of a law firm. But if I simply focus on the practice, and I'm hopeful you have many lawyer listeners in the audience, so I think that's the, the relevant view of this topic. But I think there are several areas of the practice where technology should be underpinning activities in the areas of risk management, client development, and practice management. Simply in the area of risk management, automated conflict of interest checks have become far more sophisticated over time. And I think right now, you know, a fair amount of client relationship management software and data analytics can really aid that conflict checks so greatly. I think also, you know, this is an area that's really ripe for exploration or exploitation of artificial intelligence in the future. And, and we'll come back to artificial intelligence here in a bit. Uh, document retention, especially given the enormous amounts of data stored by document management systems and email archives, that process is greatly aided not only by sound retention policies, but being backed up by solid technologies to ensure compliance. And then I just want to focus very quickly on client development. That should be a topic of great interest to the attorney listeners. The use of data analytics for competitive intelligence is on the rise. And I think marketing professionals are developing more sophisticated online and social media footprints for their lawyers. So I think really, you know, efficient client service 
can be aided by technology. Another area where that can happen is in the knowledge management arena. So this is effectively an accurate assessment of experts and precedents and other knowledge that can be brought to bear on a matter. And I think data analytics is an area that can be applied to effective pricing of services. So I've touched on quite a few things, but they're all important to the practice side of the house. So I'm hopeful those uh, responses were helpful. I'm curious, when you were hired at the law firm to handle their technology, were there many other women in the legal technology field at that point? Uh, you know, it's, it's a great question, Stephanie. Uh, the short answer is yes, because I think what we saw happening at that point is that, uh, again, to think about the two intro technologies for law firms. Those were time entry, uh, you know, the whole time and billing systems, as well as uh, electronic document processing, word processing. And typically, women were in those accounting roles, or certainly in the word processing roles. So I think we were touched in that way. That is exactly how I came up. I was hired to implement a, a large time and billing system for my law firm. So yes, there were quite a few women. And has it changed in that now it seems like a fair amount of firms hire a lawyer to manage their technology or their management information. Is that a trend that we've seen recently, would you say? Well, of course, you know, from my view with ILTA, our members have come from varying sizes of law firms. And I think the answer to that is going to depend greatly on the firm size and the firm culture. From our view, we see lawyers being moved into chief innovation officer roles, you know, working with client teams to do some crazy innovative things. I think that's spectacular. I see lawyers coming into roles that are not, quote, traditional technology roles, but very, very important on the practice side of the house. That really ties to what I said earlier about so many technologies directly affect the practice side. And that's where I see the lawyers and technology coming together. And do you think with bringing in these lawyers to do it as well, has that kind of changed how the practice has viewed technology? I know when I was speaking with Monica Bay, she feels like in the 80s, a lot of law firms, unfortunately, or well, this says a lot, but I, I believe she said she felt like lawyers often saw technology as a girl thing which unfortunately, they didn't take it seriously. And I'm thinking I, now it's changed and it's a thing for girls and boys and it's a serious thing. <laughs> Did you, would you agree? Well, I, it's a great question. I guess in my naive way of thinking, I've never thought of it as a girl or a guy thing. And, and I know Monica is a huge supporter of uh, STEM uh, for, for women in, in science technology. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all of the engineering and math fields, but, uh, and, and I completely support that. I think just from my view, again, I, because I've seen so many women mature in this industry in parallel to men, I see it as an equal opportunity field. Specifically, I'm talking about technology and the law, that intersection specifically. And I think, you know, so many law school graduates now are finding wonderful careers in law firms and corporate legal departments outside of the practice because they are capable of managing very sophisticated technologies 
that support that practice or even support the business side of the house. So I, again, I, perhaps my view is naive, but I see it as a field leveler, if you will. Okay. Very interesting. What's one real big development in legal technology you think will come in the next decade? I think we're seeing a lot of movement or at least a lot of talk of movement around artificial intelligence. Uh, I made the comment earlier that, you know, the, the rate at which technology is adopted or accepted in a law firm is many times going to depend on the firm's size and certainly the firm culture. Some firms have just an adoption culture, if you will. Others don't. And so I, I think there's a lot of variance there in the degrees of adoption of technology. But many large firms do have chief innovation officers in place, and they are doing some really groundbreaking work with their clients. There are more complex systems to analyze data, both the internal data to the firm and data that is publicly available. And I think that analysis, that those systems that do that analysis will make the application of business intelligence and competitive intelligence part of most practices. And likewise, you know, we've not even spoken about litigation support, but the litigation practice will continue to see advances in technology-assisted processes. And I think artificial intelligence, AI, can definitely bring some really efficiencies in that area. But I think, Stephanie, from my view, uh, you know, technology is fantastic. I've certainly built a career on it. Uh, and, and again, it's just part of a modern law firm. I think the real possibility for change in the future sits more with a mindset than with a single technology. I think it is all about a firm adopting their clients' worldviews and innovating service delivery design with those views in mind. So it's the specific application of technologies to solve a specific client's problems. What sort of uh, technology is available now for lawyers that very few use? Well, again, it's going to be difficult for me to answer because uh, my view is from the view of our membership, which is vast and diverse. So a solo practitioner may have a completely different menu of opportunities from a, a large global law firm. I think some of the innovative things that I'm seeing are some of our firms are beginning to use artificial intelligence. I've already mentioned it, but specifically uh, Ross, I I believe that's the IBM Watson version for law firms. And so they are exploring Ross and using. So I I think that's really, really cool. I think just using some of the data analytic tools, and and there are many out there, uh, I'd be hard-pressed to name one, but there are dozens and dozens of data analytic tools, and most of these aren't specific to the law practice. They're just wonderful data analytic tools, and, you know, being able to explore those and and really, you know, understand your client's business, uh, understand the data that you have about your client a little bit better. I think those are, you know, perhaps, again, depending on the complexity of a law firm, perhaps many firms don't have the bandwidth to be able to explore those opportunities. Oh, interesting. And what are you planning on doing when you retire? (laughs) Well, I will tell you what I'm not going to do first. I'm I'm not going to set an alarm clock. I'm really looking forward (laughs) to that. 
you know, I have two beautiful grandchildren and I definitely want to spend more time with them. I hope to be able to travel and I hope to just really enjoy lots of little pleasures. And uh, I'll still stay connected to the community in some way. I'm, as I've said to many people, I'm not moving to another planet, so I'm, I'm still around and look forward to maintaining my professional connections. All right. That sounds wonderful. And that's everything I wanted to ask you today. Would you like to add anything else? Well, Stephanie, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I think one of the highlights of my announcing my retirement is I have had so so many wonderful opportunities like this come to me. And so appreciate your outreach and uh, the opportunity to do this. So thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you, listeners. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward, and you've been listening to the ABA Journal's Legal Rebels Trailblazer podcast series. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalRebels.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free apps from ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.